0: It's time that we have an honest discussion from a biblical worldview about the pro life movement. Today, we have a guest with us that's been in the trenches fighting the abortion issue. This is Randy Osborne with Worldview Truth. Worldview Truth. Since 1973, Roe v. Wade has been in place in the U.S., resulting in the deaths of more than 70 million babies. It is the American Holocaust. For over 50 years, various strategies have been enacted to fight this national tragedy. But now that Roe v. Wade has been sent back to the states to make that decision, the Holocaust continues. I think now is the time that we must have an honest discussion on the strategies that the pro-life movement has had over the past 50 years today we have matt brock and he lives in upstate south carolina we try we try not to uh, hold that against you but um he's married uh, to amy uh, for 12 years they have two young daughters and brock has been doing street evangelism Uh, for a little over three years, primarily at abortion clinics there in South Carolina. He's assistant director of Operation Save America. It was formerly known as Operation Rescue. Um, He's also the co-founder of Equal Protection South Carolina, which is an organization that aims to mobilize the church and to engage the political realm with the gospel. Uh, Welcome, Brock. I appreciate you coming on with us and having this discussion on the pro-life movement.
1: Absolutely, brother. I appreciate you having me.
0: Um, I just want to kind of start with uh, tell us basically what you do um, as in in evangelism um, with pro-life or uh, pro-abortion clinics. Uh, Just kind of give us a, a background of really what you do, what your efforts are and what your purpose is.
1: Yeah, so, uh, I spent a little time in the Marine Corps and, um, actually got out around 2014 and started a little furniture store and, uh, did really well there and came across a sermon one time from a pastor out in Arizona, uh, named Jeff Durbin, who's become a good brother, a good friend of mine and, uh, just randomly painting some chairs one night over at the store and, uh, YouTube was playing some, I think I was listening to Bodie Bacham or something at the time and one of Jeff Durbin's sermons came up and, uh, he preached uh, a sermon on abortion, and uh, he was referring to it as, you know, the American Holocaust and uh, quoting Scripture, uh, like Proverbs twenty four eleven 11, which says, Hold back those who are being led to slaughter, and Things that I've probably read many times, but for some reason uh, the Holy Spirit was just using that sermon and those passages to really convict me, and uh, I— I I knew that there was an abortion clinic in Greenville, which is about thirty minutes away from where I live and for some reason, uh, you know, the Lord just kinda crushed me that night and I told my wife laying in bed that night, I said, I think I'm gonna go to the abortion clinic tomorrow and this was on a Friday night and I said, Instead of opening the store tomorrow, I think I'm gonna shut the store down and I'm gonna ride out to Greenville and I don't know what I'm gonna do when I get there. <laughs> you know, I'm just gonna go and, and pray and you know, just see what happens. And so I woke up the next morning and I drove out there and uh, met some folks and just kind of tried to get the background of uh, the history of that place. You know, how many folks come in. I mean, I knew absolutely nothing about abortion. Um, you know, how, how late can, how long, how far along are these moms before they can, you know, before it's illegal, all this kind of good stuff. So, um, and the more that I was there, it, it, it kind of sucked me in. Um, I, I, I don't want to say obsessed, a weird word, but you know, it, it, it became very, uh, encompassing. It was, it was something that I thought about all day long. You know, the fact that there's babies being murdered on the other side of that fence and, and nobody's doing anything about it. And so the Lord just really starts to, uh, press on my heart to, shut our store down, which was a crazy thought at the time. We were doing very well financially. Uh, that's the most money we'll ever have, <laughs> probably in our marriage. Um, and the Lord was urging us to walk away from that and trust Him. And So uh, over a couple of months, I, I started going out there and, and uh, shut the store down. And uh, the Lord began to really work on me and work on my wife. And we began to pray, okay, Lord, you know what is it that's exactly what you want us to do? And I remember, I remember uh, being out there one Saturday, and I, I noticed up on the sign there. I, at this point, I had only been going out there on Saturdays, but I noticed on the sign for the very first time it said Monday through Saturday. And I remember asking one of the guys out there; his name's Jack Asher. I said, "Jack, he who, out. I mean, I don't know who's out who's out here on Saturday. Who's out here Monday through Friday?" And he said, "Nobody." And it was in that moment I realized what the Lord was wanting me to do. And so, uh, I came home and I told my wife, I said, we're shutting the store down and I'm going to be a full-time missionary to the pre-born out there in Greenville. And, uh, that was, that was a very uh, difficult decision. Um, but it was one of those things that you couldn't really deny what it was the Lord was telling you to do. And so praise the Lord. He gave my wife that same passion because you know that could have been a a bad deal there
0: right
1: but uh he moved on her the same way that he moved on me and it was just it was just kind of a a god thing and i bought a uh, i bought a ladder a 10-foot ladder because they've got a a 10-foot fence out there so you have to put a ladder up to be able to see over the fence and i started going out there monday through monday tuesday and wednesday and then i was actually able to talk jack into coming out on thursdays and fridays and so for the first time I don't want to say ever, but at least in in the you know foreseeable past, uh, there was a gospel presence out there, a proclamation of the gospel going out there Monday through Saturday, um, all morning long, which is their busy hours, and we did that for probably three or four months, and uh, man, the Lord began to save babies, and we began to see moms and dads not just save their children, but repent and trust in the Lord and. Get involved in churches, and we were able to start networking with pastors around the state. You know, because moms and dads will come from all over the state and even out of state. And uh, so, you know, if a mom came in and she happened to be from Charleston, and uh, she said, "Hey, I would, I would love to commit with a church down there," well, I got on the phone and I would start calling around in Charleston, trying to find some solid biblical churches to plug these folks into. And uh, it just—it was just crazy how the Lord began to grow that network. So uh, we did that for—I don't know, probably. Three, four months, um, just me and Jack. And uh, I think we saw maybe 20 babies or so in that first three, four months saved. And uh, the Lord began to send more people out there. And uh, I think to date, there's probably close to 25 full time missionaries that are out there Monday through Saturday. Oh, wow. Um, we've got some folks that are actually full time. They have walked away from their jobs. They have started 501c3 ministries where they literally get paid. Uh, from donors uh, as missionaries to oh, go out wow. there and they, yeah so it's beautiful and uh, i think last week we saw uh 80 our 89th baby saved and thousands upon thousands of gospel proclamations out there so it's just, it's been really really uh interesting and and beautiful to see the lord's faithfulness and all of that and again that all that gl- glory goes to him uh but about a year ago um the lord began to show me that you know I don't want to be doing this in another, another five years, right? I don't, I don't want to still be standing on this ladder in the freezing rain, preaching the gospel over this fence. I want to see this place shut down, and so I began to ask, you know, how, how, how what does that look like? How does that even, how does that even work? Well, and the answer became obvious: it's through legislation. You know, we've got to get some things passed in the legislature to see these things ended. And so, by God's grace, uh, there was a faithful brother that had been coming out there. Um, almost, I would say, probably three days a week. Uh, His name's Kylie Waldrop, faithful brother. I've traveled the country with this guy over the last year and a half. And uh, he's the guy that I was telling you about who stepped away from his job to become a full-time missionary. So Kylie's out there five days a week. Uh, He's got teams every single day that are established out there. And uh, about a year ago, I passed the baton off to Kylie. So Kylie's the man in charge out there. Everything gets funneled through him that happens out in Greenville. And what that's done for me is uh, I have spent the last year, a year and a half or so, diving into the South Carolina legislature, mm. uh, trying to get bills of equal protection put in, trying to get co-sponsors for these bills, trying to highlight, uh, you know, who the good guys are, who the bad guys are, campaigning for the for the squishy Republicans that, Want to say they're pro life on their on their campaign cards, but just want to do enough to pass the Smith test. <laughs> so, uh,
0: right. um,
1: mobilizing pastors, having meetings with pastors and pro life leaders, trying to get them to understand why we need to not just continue to regulate baby murder, but to see it ended in the name of Jesus. So that's go. kind of a nutshell. Uh, there's so much there that we can <laughs> unpack well, just to see in the hand of God and all of that. But yeah, that's the nutshell version.
0: Our- I would I would assume that uh, these um, this uh, pro, pro-abortion clinic. They just probably li- love y'all. Is, is that a good statement? Oh, or-
1: absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> coffee and donuts for us when we get there. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no brother. Uh,
1: actually, the first couple of months that we were out there it was actually relatively quiet. Um, birds chirping. The sun was out. You know, it was. It was obviously babies were being murdered on the other side of that fence, but there really wasn't any opposition. Um, today. There's probably anywhere between five or six full-time pro-aborts that are out there. Um, it is an absolute circus. So um, I've got brothers and sisters that have been doing this around the country for 20, 30 years. And when they come to Greenville, they will say that this is by far the worst abortion clinic that they've ever been to uh, in their in their two or three decades of doing this kind of work. So very, very demonic um, place. It's really weird. The doctors haven't really pushed that much. It's just the pro-aborts that are out there. Um, so yeah, it's, it's certainly been an interesting, interesting, uh, venue <laughs> to preach at for sure. What
0: I've, what I've noticed, um, in fact, when Roe v. Way was beginning to, uh, appear to, to, be overturned. And what I say about that is I just want to explain this to, to the listeners. Uh, a lot of people think Roe v. Way was overturned, making abortion uh, illegal. And that's that's right. clearly not the case. In fact, you kind of alluded to that working in the legislature uh, with it. Basically, what it did was it pushed um, abortion, um, that issue back to the states. And, and what I'd say about that is I, I think um, I think the Supreme Court made a mistake on that because the protection of life is is a constitutional issue. But what they decided to do is they moved that back to the states. And now the states are, are there to make that choice. And what I personally see um, is conservatives, and I'll, I'll use that term very loosely, they're not really wanting to completely shut, uh, shut down abortion clinics. Um, if they would, I think it would have already been done. There's a couple states that have. Uh, for example, Alabama um, is moving in that direction. In fact, because Alabama has moved in that direction, they're um, attempting to send uh, people across the state lines into Florida to have their abortions, which um, our state is making an effort to try to stop that. But the bottom line is, is I don't really think that um, there is a real, real effort from the conservative side to try to stop abortions. Have you experienced that in your state?
1: Oh, absolutely. Uh, In South Carolina, um, it actually goes beyond uh, them passively trying to avoid banning abortion. But we've got folks here that are claiming the name of Christ, claiming to be Republicans, claiming to be conservatives, um, that are actually opposing our bills of equal protection. And um, so it's—the it's, Lord kind of has us in a in a season right now of exposing. Um, it, it's very dirty work, but again, it's biblical. Um, you know, you see Paul and uh, Peter, Paul confronting him publicly about his mingling the, you know, uh, the gospel with um, some works-type stuff. And so Scripture tells us to not have any part of, of evil, but actually to expose their works and Brother, the more that I'm in this, the, the the darker this rabbit hole seems to get. Um, we're starting to see um, lots of backdoor deals um, that have been made via email that have come and been sent to me that I have I have seen over the last couple of years. South Carolina Citizens for Life. I'll just go ahead and say their name. Uh, they've already blocked me on Facebook. They're not fans of mine. <laughs> but this is one of the leading pro life wow. industry uh, pro life life leaders in the state of South Carolina. Um, when South Carolina was debating a heartbeat bill uh, a year and a half ago, I believe South Carolina citizens for life actually had a letter on the desks of these Republican legislators as they were getting ready to come in and finish up debates on the heartbeat bill. Uh, there was a core group of Republicans that had said that they wanted to see the rape and incest exceptions removed off of the heartbeat bill. South Carolina Citizens for Life, which by the way, thrives on church dollars. That's where their support comes from, wrote a letter telling these pro life legislators that if they vote in favor of removing these exceptions, that South Carolina Citizens for Life would not endorse their next campaign that would no longer count them as pro life.
0: Are you kidding me? What what was their no. issue with this? What was their issue?
1: Uh well, they would they they claim that it was a matter of simple pragmatism that there's no way that this bill would go through if they tried to take these rape and incest exceptions out. Therefore, they would actually be hurting the cause if they tried to take these rape and incest, incest exceptions out. But that's the here's what's interesting about that. That sounds that sounds like they could somewhat not to me. I think it's ridiculous. Um, but. For certain people, they hear that and they think pragmatically. Oh, well, then yeah, that would make sense. But here's here's what here's the question that I've uh, started to ask these pro life groups. I no longer ask them. There's there's a huge debate, and I think it's a worthy conversation. How do we get there? Right? Is it do we need to take an incremental approach where you fight for everything that you can get, cycle in and cycle out? Right. If you can get a heartbeat this this year, great. Come back for more next year. Come back for more next year. That's the drum that the pro life establishment has been banging for the last 50 years. Which, by the way, where's it gotten us? Um, nowhere. But yeah. they they always want to bang the incremental drum, and that that's the debate that we need to be having, brother. Here's the question that I have learned that the pro life establishment and pro life legislators. Do not, under any circumstances, want you to ask them. Here's the question. This will tell you where they are. Ask them, if you had your way tomorrow, if your organization, if your party, if your caucus had their way tomorrow, what would abortion look like in the state of Florida? What would it look like in South Carolina? Ask them that question, and they will cringe because they want to have the conversation about incrementalism versus immediatism. Because you can pull on heartstrings there. What they don't want to talk about is what the final product should look like. Because they know that the final product is partial and it uses unequal weights and measures when it comes to the pre-born and the woman. And what I mean by that is if you believe that life begins at conception, which every one of them would affirm, and you would believe that each one of these babies is equal in value and deserving of all of the freedoms and rights that you and I deserve breathing air outside of the womb. Well, by default, if someone – well, let's put it this way. Let's say a mom and a dad hire a hitman for $500 to put a bullet in the head of their five-year-old child. What would the attorney general say – justice looks like what would sentencing look like not only in the courts but in the eyes of the public what would sentencing look like for that five-year-old child would it just be the hitman that goes down
0: no absolutely not
1: no it would be everybody involved now there's only one person that would get charged with the actual murder sure but those parents are going to be charged with conspiracy with uh probably several other things that's going to land them a long long time in jail Well, if that baby in the womb, if you say that it's just as equal in value, but yet you say that a mom and a dad that hires a hitman, aka an abortion doctor, for $500 to kill that baby, the doctor should go down, but the parents who paid that hitman are victims themselves. And that's been the narrative of the pro-life industry. They think that abortion has two victims. And... There's really only one. Now, that's not to say that there are not horrible circumstances that some of these moms find themselves in. There are moms that have babies that have been conceived in rape. Very low percentage, but it does happen. There are moms that have had babies that have been conceived in incest. Again, a very low percentage, but it does happen. But, you know, as Christians, we don't get to have an opinion on who gets to live and who gets to die. That's right. The Bible says that you don't punish the child for the sins of the father. So if a baby has been conceived in rape, if a baby has been conceived in incest, let's kill the guy that did that to that young lady and give her justice as well. But what we should not do, and this is what the pro-life industry has done for 50 years now, is said, honey, you were wrong, therefore, you deserve a pass for murder. And that's the dirty little secret of the pro-life industry. And so when we say equal protection, what we mean is if a mom kills her one-year-old baby in the bathtub, if a mom kills her baby, her one-day-old baby in the bathtub, every single person in America would look at her and say, "murderer." But if you take that one day away and put the baby back in the belly of the mom, it's no longer murder in the eyes of the people, in the eyes of the state anymore. She's a victim now. And so, what we've got to do, first off, we've got to start looking this through the eyes of Scripture again. So, what
0: what you're saying is, if a if a woman has an abortion, she is basically paying to have somebody murder a child. And you're Absolutely. saying, and you're saying that many pro life groups are basically saying, um, no, the the woman needs to be protected because she is a victim in this. That's
1: it. And that's, that's exactly the problem. What they're saying. Gotcha. That's the problem, because what now? What you're doing is you're putting more emphasis on the mom than you are the baby, and the baby is the one that's been murdered here. And God is clear about justice from Genesis to Revelation. The entire theme of Scripture is established justice. Child sacrifice is a huge deal to God, and that's really what we're talking about. We put it in a, we use these medical terms and put them in little medical boxes and pretty, put a nice little pretty bow on it, and we call it abortion. But really, it's modern-day child sacrifice. These these parents may not be taking these children and laying them on the altars of Molech, like they did in Deuteronomy. But they are taking these babies and laying them on the altar of their convenience. Um, just a quick Google search, you can see how many people are out there shouting and praising their, um, their, their quote, right to have an abortion, because if it wasn't for them sacrificing their child years ago when they were 17, 18, 19 years old, they wouldn't have the career they have, they wouldn't have the car they have, they wouldn't have the house they have. These are all things that they received as, quote, blessings for laying their child on the altar of their convenience. It's the same thing. And God hates it. He says that he hates the hands that shed innocent blood. And uh, we've been indoctrinated by the pro-life industry for years and years and years now to be completely desensitized to the, the injustice of the preborn um, because we, we focus more on that mom's career or her, you know, all, all of these things more than we do the, the innocent shedding of that baby's blood.
0: Matt, what I think has happened is as a result of that, many, many women have not actually seen um, the sin of this. And I think that we've done a major just disjustice to to women in this in this regard about I I looked at a number uh, a few few months ago, around 40 percent of all females in a particular age group um, has had an abortion. Um, You can go into your average congregation in a church. And um, by the way, that's not any different. And you can just start, sit there and count 10, 10, females in that age group. And more than likely four out of those 10 have had an abortion. And, and what's yeah. happened is I think that the abortion industry has justified it, um, has done a lot of work on, on PR campaigns to say, you know, this is not a life. And the pro-life group has said, you know, oh, you're a victim in this, but it has created unbelievable amount of of guilt every time that I that I preach on this issue every time in a church um, I I have people come to me and it's usually haters or it's people saying um, I I have so much guilt I don't know what to do with it so I I think that that that's something else that I don't think that these pro-life groups understand that I believe that they're they're creating an avenue that is creating unbelievable guilt in these women that, that sometimes will never go away, never go away.
1: Absolutely brother. And 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 there's a larger spin for us here. And that is this, and you, you kind of, you kind of hit all around it. Um, we, when we tell these moms and these dads, by the way, this isn't just a mom. Um, when we tell these moms and dads that, Hey, yeah, you, you paid someone to kill your child, but you're a victim. What we've just done is we have pacified their conscience that the Holy Spirit may very well be bringing into them to draw them to repentance. And we snuff that out by saying, you're not a murderer. There's something in you telling you that you murdered your child right now. Don't listen to that voice. You're a victim. There's no need for you to repent of your sin. There's no need for you to go and fall on your face and try to be reconciled to God for shedding the the blood of your 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 child. You're a victim. What we've just done is we have robbed her of an opportunity to be reconciled to God. We wow. have become we have become the voice of the serpent. Has God really said that that's murder? That's not really murder. You're a victim. You're innocent. Don't worry about it. Go to sleep tonight. Be fine. But here's the deal, brother. We can say that as much as we want to, but for a born-again child of God, they cannot snuff out that conscience. So they're torn. And like you said, we see this all the time. They are so torn. There are women who will go right into heaven the same way that you and I will because they put their faith in their trust in Jesus. But they have still bought this lie. They know that what they did was wrong. But they've never repented of murder because that's what God says it is, and so they're sitting in the pew week in and week out. They're going to sleep night in and night out. They 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 they, they've been made whole through Christ, but there is something so dark in them, and they can't figure out what it is. It's because there is unrepentant sin, and they can't they they can't they're they're torn between. Why do I still feel this way? If Christ has forgiven me, why do I still feel this way? It's because they've never really dealt with it the way the Scripture commands us to deal with sin. Confessing, I have murdered my child. I have taken the life of an image bearer of the triune God. And they've never confessed to that. And so there's never really been a freedom from it. They've never placed it under the feet of King Jesus because they've never truly dealt with it at face value, and that's because the pro-life industry has indoctrinated us to believe that lie for so long.
0: That somebody is going to get relief from that is, is is forgiveness from Christ.
1: That's it. That's it.
0: We'll be right back for the second part. This is Randy Osborne. I would ask if you would do two things. First of all, if you would follow this podcast, and then secondly, if you would Share this podcast with others. It's vitally important that we continue to build this, build the information. And I will give you my commitment that I will continue uh, building upon these podcasts and make them where they're worth your time to listen to. Thank you. Worldview Truth. Well, Matt, I appreciate so much you coming on and having that discussion. I'm going to ask one other issue is we're having problems in legislation um, to try to stop this. But also we're getting attacks from um, obviously the federal government. There's there's a lot of cases right now that they're uh, coming against uh, pro-life movements. Um, And I'm also seeing um, a lot of not just the federal government, but I'm seeing also organizations that are coming out and um, fire bombings. There, there's been more attacks against pro-life organizations in the past uh, probably six months than has happened in many, many years. So I, I'm just trying to get your your take on that. Are you seeing attacks from governmental organizations on what you're all doing on your all's movement?
1: Oh, absolutely, brother. So um, you're pro- you've probably heard about the 11. Folks that were—they uh, had their homes raided by the FBI just last spring. Uh, yes. There was a Catholic guy um, who—it all started with him. Uh, I believe his name was Mark. I uh, may be wrong there. I think he was just—he was just uh, vindicated, or they just dropped all the charges. Yes, uh, Mark Hawk. Like a, a month or two ago. There you go. Yeah. Um, but it was around that same time, uh, about a month or so later, uh, we started to get phone calls with through Operation Seven America. Some folks that are very closely affiliated with us that um, they're, they're not being, uh, you know, indicted for uh, rescues and, and things like that. And so, uh, you know, these folks are looking at 11 years in prison. Oh, wow. uh, one of these folks is a dear sister. Her name is uh, Eva Edel. Uh, she's actually a concentration camp survivor from World War II. Sweet, sweet sister. She lives uh, here in South Carolina. But, uh, you know, she's 80-something years old, and she's looking at, I think, Several uh, different indictments on um, federal charges, uh, face charges, um, faces, uh, federal access to Clinton's entry, I believe. Uh, it was put in by the Clintons in 1994, I think, and um, they're, they're trying to slam these folks. So if, if they actually get these sick, uh, several of these folks are, are on up in age a little bit. They, they will die in prison simply for laying themselves Lay their lives down for their neighbors as they would themselves. And so, uh, you know, when, when Jesus said count the cost, it wasn't a cute little pithy statement. Uh, there, there really is a cost here for, for living out, uh, biblical Christianity. And, uh, we are, we are living in the midst of a Holocaust. 70 plus million people. Um, and we're living in the midst of it, going to our baseball games, enjoying our life. And right down the street, there's babies being ripped apart literally as we we're, we're, we're doing this podcast. And uh, So it's, it's wicked And uh, what we've got to remember here, brother Is there's a kingdom of light And there's a kingdom of darkness And uh, Paul says in Ephesians 6, 12 We are not wrestling with flesh and blood We're, we're wrestling with things that we cannot see And, uh, you know, there, there is no such thing as neutrality Jesus said, if you're not with me, you're against me And so Much of the federal government, much, much of your local and state-run governments are not on Team Jesus. They are, they, are on the, they, are, they are in the kingdom of darkness. And so, uh, of course, this is where the oppression is coming from. Um, but we also know that um, he has promised that he will place every enemy under his feet, and that's where we put our faith and our trust. And that's why we, we go out there with the gospel. We don't go out there with weapons and guns. We go out there with the gospel of King Jesus, and uh, you know if he can take eleven confused disciples and flip flip Rome on its head, certainly he can use a bunch of weirdos right. like you and me to do the same thing. That's so, right. That's, that's right. That's where we put our hope. But we we, we have seen uh, we have seen pushback even from local authorities out there, uh, Greenville County Sheriff. Um, we're on a first name basis. He has my number. I have his number. He he's a he says he's a Christian. He runs on a pro life campaign, but. We we've had our guys putting cups under his authority. Oh wow! Just for preaching the gospel out, out in Greenville, and so you know, it's uh, I, I do believe that there'll come a time when we look back and and just see, just like we do now with with uh, slavery. You know, we we look back now and think, what in the world was the church thinking? What in the world were these quote Christian legislators thinking by allowing this wickedness to go on? How could they? Let that go on, but we're doing the exact same thing right now, and I do believe that there come a time where my great grandchildren will look back and say, "What in the world were y'all doing?" Right. Um, That's that's where we are. So,
0: Matt, let me ask
1: history. History will tell us. Go ahead, bud.
0: No, what I was going to ask you is let me ask you a a philosophical question, and I've I've looked at this for for a, a number of years over different battles, honestly, with our own groups, with conservative people. Uh, people that that claim to be to be a Christian even. And and I, it's sometimes they will move with the political um, climate is it, what I, yes. I see happening. And and I'm thinking these people, I, I fear that many of these people don't have a basis of morality. You know, I, I look back and I think back about our founding fathers and um, one of the. Um, one of the first flags that was ever was ever made um, in America was a flag that basically said um, an appeal to heaven. That was the, 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 the words of that flag at the top of it. And it was a it was basically an evergreen pointing up to, to, to heaven. And our founding fathers made that flag very specifically because the king was the ultimate person in charge. And our founding fathers knew that there was somebody higher than the king. And 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 that was, you know, that was our Heavenly Father. That was God Almighty. And that was the appeal that they were making to heaven, be saying that, you know, King, you have your space, but we're going to appeal somebody higher than that. And that's and that's God. And I feel like that our 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 conservative groups, our conservative organizations I feel like that they do not have that basis of morality. You have to have a basis of morality before you can you can say this is right and this is wrong. Um, we don't right. we don't change with the 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 political climate on what's right and wrong. We we have a basis of morality, and that's the word of God. And I feel and like then, go ahead.
1: No, keep going, brother. I'm just, I'm and and I feel world. like that our,
0: our <laughs> you know I, I feel like that our our current. Um, Conservative organizations—they don't really have that. They just basically are changing with the climate because they don't see that basis of morality. And what is your thoughts on that?
1: No, I, I think you're spot on, brother. And so there's there's two things that's going on here. There are those who there are those who um, who know what exactly what you said, and they would affirm that. Um, and they just don't care because they're more concerned about keeping their seat than they are honoring Christ um, And I can say that truthfully because I have one who uh, we've got a, a bill of abolition, a bill of equal protection in South Carolina right now H3549. This guy actually put his name on the bill he co-sponsored the bill a month ago. A year ago we had a bill of equal protection in I met with this brother he's a deacon in his church and he said, There's no way in the world that I can ever support any piece of legislation that doesn't give equal protection and equal justice to the law, to the preborn after having this conversation with you. He said, I get it. I see it. Christ commanded it. The Bible screams it. As soon as next year's bill comes out, I will put my name on that bill. He did. And we praise God. Yesterday, he took his name off the bill because Rolling Stone magazine put out an article basically shaming 21 house reps in South Carolina that had their name on our bill. He felt a little pressure and and removed his name off of the bill. And
0: that's such an influential, conservative um, magazine that that would be be the reason to do that.
1: Yeah. But he, (laughs) he didn't want to have to deal with the phone calls. He didn't want the backlash. And so, brother, there are those that know what God has said, but they just don't care. Wow. It's all about self-preservation. Wow, um, that's the—I would say—that's the bulk of the folks that claim to be pro-life. They'll go pro-life as long as the crowd is there, but when it comes to equal protection and giving babies in the womb equal justice, they'll do it to get a hand clap. But as soon as they don't think anybody's looking, they'll take their name off the bill because they don't want the backlash.
0: That's amazing. That is amazing. Well, Matt, I certainly appreciate what you're doing. I appreciate your effort. I appreciate your heart. But thank you again for all you do. Uh, God bless you, and keep up the fight.
1: Amen, brother. God bless you. Thanks for having me.
0: Thank you. Please follow this podcast and share with others. Until next time, this is Randy Osborne. God bless. Base here. The angle has landed. Worldview truth.